Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm glad to have you with us. Hopefully you'll call in with any questions or comments you have to join the conversation here. Uh, for those of you who tuned in last week, you got to hear from Marty Ruiz, his story. By the way, Marty is not related to our guest this week, Patricia Ruiz, just in case you're wondering. Um, but he talked to us about his transition from really providing a volunteer hobby of singing at retirement homes to making that a, po- a full-time paid vocation that he absolutely loves today. So we heard him describe his journey through various art-oriented positions over the years to a place where he was struggling financially and actually had to declare bankruptcy as an artist when he was painting paintings and doing greeting cards, which then prompted him to get very creative as to how he was going to go to work and actually make a living. So by asking, as he likes to say, the right people, the right questions, he learned he could actually get paid by senior community homes for the very services he had been donating for years. How cool is that? So now he's extremely fulfilled and feeling grateful for the work that he has and is absolutely loving his life. He is in the mode of engagement that I call living his purpose. That's related to the research I've been doing, and it's on my website if you care to know more about that, elisecortez.com. But he really is a, a great example of somebody who persisted in his quest to pursue meaningful work and now enjoys the fruits of that razor focus and persistent follow through that came along with it. So it was really great to have him on the show. And we may have him back at another time because a few folks reached out and said, yeah, bring him back. So this week, we get to hear from a guest who is in the process of transitioning her career from one field to something completely different. So this kind of quest takes courage and usually has to be fueled by some pretty strong passion to pull it off. So Patricia Ruiz is my guest today, and she's in that tender stage of transitioning a long-standing career as a psychotherapist to becoming a business consultant, specifically to help improve the experience the disability community has in department stores and franchise operations. I think what she's up to is pretty pretty awesome and amazing. Um, let me say how I met this woman. Uh, last year, the both of us were in a, a program called Leadership Texas, and this is something that's offered by uh, Leadership Women, which, an organization here in Texas. So that's how I got to know her. And along the way, Patricia, I've appreciated your thoughtful, considerate nature, I've been enjoying hearing about your own life's journey of where you're going and was thrilled to hear about this new venture. So welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, Elise. And I might tell you that she is joining us from San Antonio and I'm here in Dallas. So um, to get us started, Patricia, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself. Tell us about the work you do today as a psychotherapist. What does that involve and all those good things? Um, Well, you have to think about something here. I'm also a veteran, so I've had two, three transitions um, from the military and then into clinical work 
And I worked in the school system for a good 10 years working with um, adolescents who had um, either autism or significant behavioral disorders. Presently, I'm doing somewhat some of the same working with at-risk youth, specifically the educationally disadvantaged. I blog, and I continue to um, acclimate to the state of Texas, and <laughs> I'm trying as as um, as hard as I can to make sure that my daughter's transition um, here in the, in the area that we live, that it's a good one and a healthy one for her in the community. And you, you moved from where, Patricia? We moved from the um, Washington, D.C. area. And you got, you've been here for how long? Is it two years, three years, something like that? Oh, it's been one year. Actually. One year? Yes. It just feels like three years, right? <laughs> it feels like, yes. It feels like yesterday in a year. Wow. Wow. Well, I, I know it's a hard transition. As you know, we moved down from Seattle to Dallas about 13 years ago. And every time you move, it's a hard transition. So hats off to you. And I'm glad that I got to be part of your introduction to Texas then. Um, before we get into what you're going to work on next, I do want to capture, because you know I can't resist. I'm a meaning and work researcher. You know I got to ask, what is it that you do find meaningful about the work you're doing today as a psychotherapist? Um. Presently in what I'm doing this moment or where I'm going, the journey? Yeah, I want to know first just this moment and before we transition into the next thing that's on your radar. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it's just been always a passion. I feel like I've been led to, um, uh, to clinical work. You know, my, my, my training is in social work, and I went on to further a training in the psychology, and so that was my doctoral program. And our, the model that we trained in was biological, sociological um, uh, psychological model because that's what people were comprised of and so then I add on top of that neuroscience and the four psychologies and so um, I have my specialty is children and adolescents with behavioral anomalies and I just so enjoyed that but I always felt like my daughter is the one who's helped me and f- inform me about my work so it really kind of went hand in hand being a, a clinician as well as working in the field of uh, uh, pediatric and adolescents. So I am going to ask you about your daughter here in just a second, but before we do that, what's interesting about what you just said there is, so you you knew what you were going to study before or after you had your daughter? Actually, I was in the process. I was actually doing my master's in social work before she was born, and then it just took on a life of its own because I knew this is where I was supposed to be. I knew that doing um, social work and learning about community and people was really hugely important part of who I am, but then I knew I needed to go on further to understand how people work. I'm just, I think my specialty is observing the human condition. I Mm -hmm. love it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I pay attention to those kind of words when you say things like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, because that gets to purpose. When people say things like that, what they're indicating is that's that's how they see what their life is about. And that is so powerful, Patricia, as you well know. So powerful to have that kind of win behind your sails. Exactly. Uh, so so I do want to hear next. Um, I, I know you're in the early stages of founding your consulting business, and, and you want to consult with department stores and franchises to develop a, a customer service approach that really well serves the disability community, and that is a passion for you. But I also know, as you somewhat alluded to, is that this passion does come from both your personal and your professional experiences. So I want to hear about that personal experience. You have a daughter with cerebral palsy. What's it like to be a parent of a child with a disability? I think the best analogy I can come up with is initially 
Um, she was born uh, two months early, prematurely. And it's really like as if you were preparing to um, your passport, you're tr- getting that ready in your luggage, you get all that stuff prepared, and you're on your way to, let's say, Prague, okay? But for something, something happens, and your luggage, everything ends up in Prague, but you end up in Thailand. And you don't <laughs> okay. have the language, you don't even have the passport, but actually your luggage ends up somewhere. But the reality is that's what it's like. It, you just don't know what's happening. It's the most uh, discombobulating experience to have. Um, you're expecting, obviously, perfection when your infant is born, but when that's thrown into it, it's, um, it, um, it changes your life forever. Mm-hmm. And how old is your daughter now? Right now she's uh, 22, wait, excuse me, 23. Okay. And so... Um, Time flies. Yeah. And so it's been, you know, it is a journey. Um, I would have to say it's uh, been very overwhelming in the, in the initial stages and frightening and with so emotional moving, these, all these emotional moving parts. So you make these decisions that you don't know because you don't have a, a really good database to make those decisions because it's your first time at the at the at bat with a child with with a significant um, uh, disability. You know, one of the things I've heard you say before is that your your daughter has really helped you develop who you are today, and mm-hmm. and what you're about. She's been a great teacher for you. Can you say more about that? What do you mean by that? And do you have some examples? Well, you know, some of the things that come first to mind was um, you learn that as a parent. Just being a parent, your responsibility to your children is to teach them how to advocate and so that they can go out into the world and advocate for themselves. But when you have a child that can't do that straight away, you learn that you have to be the advocate. And so um, some of those experiences have been is really learning about people and learning who's going to help you and education. Her education was really the entryway to all of that. And I had to learn systems. I already knew systems being in the military, but um, I had to understand the educational system. And I had to learn how people operate and how they function and how gatekeepers come alive and how um, people have, quest- have the answer. But you had to learn what the question was in order to get the answer. And so I, I felt like just her presence in my life was really the impetus to learn those things that not anybody else can learn. It's not written in a book. They may try, but it's not. You have to learn that. It kind of sounds to me like what it must be like to maybe just try to find your way in the dark to some place that you don't even know where you're going. Does that sound at all right to you? Oh, sure it does. I mean, it's, uh, it is that way, and, um, and there's lots of bumps. I mean, I'm, I'm always reminded of the, um, the Japanese proverb that you fall seven times and you stand up eight, and I'm still falling down seven times and I get to stand up eight. That's really what it's like because I'm still learning, and I hope that's what I will continue to do through her because it's always something, whether it's systematic or educationally or through consumerism, I'm learning because of her. So one of the things that would be interesting to know, right, since everything in our life tends to help form who we are as human beings and and can certainly also inform the kind of work that we choose to do, 
what about this experience of being a mom to your daughter has has informed why you want to do this new business venture? I think um, this is probably more heartfelt than anything else, is that um, there's always a knowing. A mother has a knowing, whether it's intuitive, maternal, but it's a knowing. And I have always felt that I needed to leave her a legacy of some sort. We all do. Besides an epitaph, I need to leave her something that she can say, my mom did everything she could to make sure that my life, and she certainly knows about all the families and their children that I've worked with over 10 years, that their lives will be improved by just some words, by her modeling, by her example, um, that she left this for me. That is beautiful, Patricia. That is so, so beautiful. And you know, one of the things that I've learned as I've gone through my own research as, as, a, as a meaning in work slash identity researcher is that I, I do realize that actually not everybody does talk about wanting their work to have a legacy. And maybe that's a place that we get to as we mature in life. I'm not sure. And for some people, maybe it's not on their radar. But for a lot of people, that is really, really important. And people are desperate to have that ability to to have that kind of impact, that kind of legacy. Um, does she know what you're trying to work on now? Is does she is she aware of what your new business venture is 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 about? Um, she is. Uh, I took a while to. Um, I tell her in doses because it's a lot of information for her. But I know that she beams when we sit and we chat about it around the dinner table or something. She will ask questions here and there. And, you know, I always tell her, this is really hard, but this is, this is our work together. Because ultimately, she'll always be a part of that. Which is remarkable, right? So mm-hmm. when you talk about legacy, what I want to understand is, do you mean that you, you want her to be able to see in the future what you've done to help impact her community? Do you mean that you want her to be able to read things that you've written regarding that? What do you mean by legacy? I mean that by, because um, I don't want to sound narcissistic like, yes, I'm leaving this legacy behind. <laughs> no, it's more about that there's been, um, that, that there's been a road that has been paved a little bit better. It's a smoother road for her that she can um, access things a little bit better. Um, that people might be more aware because somebody brought it to their attention, meaning uh, corporate America. They brought somebody brought it to her attention. I mean, certainly she um, she was always a very good recipient of uh, good services while in school. Not always, but it was because her mom stepped up and learned how to talk both sides of the table, professionally and um, personally. So she knows that her mom did that for her in school, and now I've got to take it to the next place of how can I make her community better. And Mm -hmm. the way to do that is through education and opening people's eyes Mm -hmm. and starting the conversation. So before I, I want to, before you actually talk about that conversation, I think maybe it also would be interesting to hear if you can say it all, and maybe maybe it's not related. if your professional experience has also contributed to your interest in, in, in this this business consulting, is that part of what's informed it in addition to your personal life? Has your professional career also informed your your interest in this venture? Sure, absolutely, because um, you, when you study psychology and study human beings and you're with them and you understand how they function, how they operate, and why they do the things that they do, 
with your own hypothesis and research, you know this is if if this is A, this is B, then this will equal C nine times out of ten. But it's because of that insight that I have into that world and having um, basically a good um, database of experience with families who have over and over and over again um, have shared with me uh, the importance of what they're trying to do for their child. So it's not just me. Mm-hmm. So professionally, it's been that experience of listening to everybody else's narrative and that my narrative was just as important as theirs, but listening to these family and their angst and their pain and the choices that they made for their children. So, yes, professionally, it sure does. You know, that just makes me wonder, and I don't know if you were able or thought about doing this over the years, uh, not necessarily cataloging all these different conversations, but have you at all captured you kind of the gist of some of the things that people have shared with you and some of their difficulties that they had out there, you know, trying to navigate the world f- from their perspective? Is there, do you have any, anything like that, that where you've been able to capture all those years of experience that summarizes any of that stuff? Yes, I believe I have lots of um, case studies I did that were a part of my doctoral program, so I do have those um, that I did keep that stood out for me. Um, I sure do, and, and just, um, I don't know if you want me to go into that place, but um, just choices they made that they, couldn't, they wouldn't bring their children into um, their adolescent, if you will, or their child before I had them um, into, into the public. Yeah, I would love an example or two before we go into the break. We're about to break here, but I would love an example before we do that. That'd be great. Go ahead. Um, I knew of one of one family that I worked with um, uh, because of the autism. It was very difficult for them to take him into into public, into stores, and um, the consternation that created for mom. And in that piece, um, her anger towards him is very, very significant because it robbed her of having, if you will, and I put this in air quotes, a normal experience. And all she wanted to do was take her son into the store to get him clothes, to Mm. have that experience that Mm. other families were having, and she couldn't have that. And it took a lot for her to say that. It took her 16 years to say that because she felt so bitter about that, and she felt guilty of having those kind of feelings. I see. How incredibly powerful to have a treasure trove of all those kinds of stories that people have told you over the years. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll hear more about that after the break, but at this time, let's go ahead and take a short break. We've been on the air with Patricia Ruiz. We are hearing about her, her journey going from a psychotherapist into a business consulting role. So we'll hear more from her after the break. Stay tuned. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. All right. Thanks for staying with us. I appreciate you coming back in after the break here. We were speaking with Patricia Ruiz before the break and want to continue, of course, with that conversation we were having before. So you were telling about a, a couple of stories some instances, Patricia, when, with regard to your connection to your clients and the experiences they have. Um, would love to hear one more story or the rest of the story that you were telling before the break, if you would. Um, I could add to this story because what's really important is when he was going to graduate, um, she had rang, she rang me up um, and she she was frantic and she I could hear this anger in her voice and frustration but that's really not what it was and she said I'm just I don't know what to do with myself so she just kept this up and kept it up and finally I said you know it sounds to me that you're frustrated and sad because you've lost um, you are grieving the loss of a child that you had such great hopes for because his opportunity to go on to graduate, um, to go on to to the university was uh, slim to none, you know? And I remember that conversation. I was so quiet, and she said, this is exactly right. And um, Mm. when you can resonate with a parent like that to take them into a place um, that I clearly understand, that I clearly know um, it was just nice to have that moment that, that she knew that I got it because she doesn't know anything about my life because that's my responsibility. It's my world, you know, and hers. And for her to have that um, understanding, I know meant a lot to her. And I would again think from the perspective of the meaning and work that you registered to be able to have that kind of powerful connection with somebody must be incredibly fulfilling for you too. Um, you know, I don't think of it that way. I always feel like, um, I, I feel, I just use this word, I feel as if I'm just a conduit. I mm. am very fortunate to provide. I have the experience, I have the research, I have the theory, but I'm just merely the facilitator of a process, and it's life process, and I, I firmly believe that that's what I really am. So, you know, I'm 
fortunate enough to serve her at that moment and in that time. Wow. What an incredibly humble perspective. And I, it strikes me how, how fortunate your clients must be then. I mean, that, that is remarkable. So there's no ego in it for you. There, you're not registering. And not that I was looking for ego, but, but that you really are looking on the service perspective. I mean, that is, it's really gorgeous. I'm not surprised from what I know of you, but um, what a great way to articulate it. Thank you. Um, Let's take it to, to you personally then, Patricia. I mean, one of the things that I would like to understand is, um, you know, when you're out and about with your daughter, um, you're going into various places of businesses and, or business and you're entering a public domain. Uh, what is that like? What are, what are some, of the, some of the things that you encounter when you're out with her? Um, the first, well, besides getting in the car, getting outside of the car, getting the wheelchair out, getting the dog next to her, all of those things, that's 15 minutes. But before, when you get, to the, when you get to, into the door, if you can get into the door, um, there is something that I do, and it's often referred to in Latin, it's called praxis, which is Latin for doing or acting. And another word that it's best using is, is motor planning. And what motor planning really is, is the ability to order and sequence Think about it and the execution of that plan, okay? So most people, um, young children have it. My daughter has it, is dyspraxia. So that her ability to motor plan isn't always there. So when I'm going into a department store, for example, I have to look at how I'm going to negotiate the motor planning to get down a certain aisle. And if there's displays or a big sale going on and there's just extra tables, well, I know that the, the, the wheelchair, she will not be able to negotiate her own because it's a power chair, nor will the, her service dog. So I'm sitting there, literally will stop and say, we've got to think this through, especially if I don't know the store. If I know the store really well, then the motor planning is not as difficult. If it's a store that I don't know very well, then I really have to take some time to figure out where I'm going to go. Okay, so now this is making a lot more sense to me now because one of the things that you've, you've said before is that you know, when things work well, when, when you know a place and, 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 and they serve you well, that there's some really strong loyalty there. And now I understand why. It makes your job so much easier. Is, is that right or exactly. is there more no, to it? It really does. And so I haven't even talked about going into restaurants, which is um, probably more challenging because I, it's more challenging because I understand that my responsibility, maybe not my responsibility, but I am a consumer, so I note and I know that they have to, the restaurants have to have so many covers done so they can fit, if there's a tabletop for 14, if they can fit 22, they're going to fit 22 at that table, and that's really important. But it's really not important to see how I can get a person to a wheelchair, a wheel, with a wheelchair to a table without going around the restaurant and then knocking people over, meaning their chairs or maybe their bags that are on their chair, and um, it's and in causing undue attention to my daughter, it's rather rather um, challenging. Hmm. So, given that one of the things that well, not one of the things, what you want to do here in this next venture is really to provide business consulting to franchise operations and department stores as to how to provide a really great customer service experience to the disabled community. Can you give us an example or two maybe of when you've really had a great experience? What, what is a, an example of a great experience for you and your daughter? 
Well, I'm not going to um, select a store because that would be inappropriate, but I do know that if I go the extra mile by asking and making reservations and then asking um, for assistance, I will, I will get that. So that will be a good experience. If I try to go in like everybody else does and just say, oh, hey, by the way, I'm going to go into this restaurant, not so much. It's going to be completely different. Does that make sense to you? So I'm doing things in advance to ensure that there are um, uh, uh, adaptability put in place for her so that her experience as well as her family's experience is not so disjointed. But if I were just to go on there on the fly like everybody else does, it's going to be a different experience. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? It does completely. So much planning on your part. I get that. Yeah. Um, well, but what would make for a good experience? I mean, one of the things you and I spoke about when we were in Leadership Texas together is you did give me a couple of examples of, wow, you know, this is this really makes the experience nice for me. Um, it's usually a, um, every once in a while you'll have an individual that seems to get it that has on some level understands beyond their training, has under their, within their fiber, the understanding of what true service is. And mm. that will be the good experience. Okay. That somebody has stepped in and said, oh, how can I help you? Right. I'm really sorry it's like this. Let me, let me, let me find a table that's going to be good for you. Or can you wait five minutes? And I'm going to make sure that you get a table that's accessible to you that you can get there in an easier way. I see. Okay. That's much clearer. Okay. Okay. So really a focus on customer service with an eye toward let's make this easy and convenient and nice for you specifically. Exactly. It's not about dismantling um, the entire uh, restaurant, like the way it's set up, because every corporation has an attorney, right, who tells them that you have to, you know, uh, abide by the ADA rules by making sure there's a door there and making sure there's an accessible bathroom. All of those things are in place minimally, but they're there and it answers the question. But there there isn't anything that says, but let's look out for motor planning. Let me look at this store and let me see it through this lens. So it's really, really, um, if you will, it's appealing to the corporation's uh, core values okay. and using their corporate culture and their story and to see how, how accountable they are to that. Okay, so It's really that. It. It's not dismantling them because that's not what I'm here. It's about being a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nicely situated. Uh, looks like we've got a caller here, Patricia. Somebody has called into the show and, and wants, to, wants to ask a question. Sherry from Dallas, go ahead. Hi. Hi, Sherry. Go ahead. Hello. This Hi, is how Sherry are you? Elliot Erie. This is great to hear your voice. Thanks for coming on the show with us. Absolutely. I have a question. I was wondering how we could help you as um, moms and businesswomen when we're interacting in different stores and restaurants. And um, I'm in the HR field. So how can we help you with the cause and the um, passion you seem to have in making a difference? What can we do for you? Oh, well, the first thing you can do is we can have a sit-down and have a conversation about this because it's hugely important. I think it's really, uh, I think if you could sit down and 
try to wear a lens, change your lens. Sometimes it's just we tend to be myopic in our thinking, and if we can just change the color of that lens a little bit um, and and be open to how how do you negotiate, how do you think this through, how can we? Um, I think the best word is to how can we normalize your experience. Mm. That's gorgeous. Okay, Sherry, for, anything else? For, Go ahead, Sherry. You know, for us as a person, so we can understand it and, and help when we're walking into restaurants and stores to help spread the word. Because it's, as I understand it, one person, we're great as one person, and we can share that, that information. But what if, what if we could make it a momentum and we could help share that by understanding what you're trying to do? So when we walk into stores and restaurants, we could go, hey, you know what? It would be great if we could do this, especially I have clients that are restaurants and stores. And if I could look at it through that lens and you could help educate us, mm-hmm. I think we could help spread the word for you just as fast, if not faster. And I would love to be able to do that. So I'm sure there's lots of listeners who would be willing as well. That's very encouraging. Absolutely encouraging because I do feel like the Lone Ranger because I do it in a very quiet, benign way because I feel like you get more doing it that way. Um, I, I could cite an example. It's on the blog. I mean, uh, Elise, do you want me to do that? Yeah. Um, one of the things that's – let me cue this up first. And, Sherry, don't go away in case you want to follow up on your question. Um, one of the things that Patricia's done that I think is remarkable and very interesting to her, her new venture is she started a blog called Pause for a Moment. So that's P-A-W-S, the number four, a moment.com. And uh, I did ask her to queue up a few things that she might want to read, so it sounds like she's got something in mind. So go ahead. Well, I won't read it, but to answer your question, it's Sherry, correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so um, one of those experiences is this, is that um, we were, my daughter went to Dairy Queen. Uh, This is on the East Coast. And she ordered her ice cream, her favorite ice cream, and she went up and she couldn't negotiate the counter. She went up to the counter and it was about, you know, couldn't reach and get the ice cream. The owner of that particular, the independent franchise owner, came around from the corner, put that cone, because it was a dip cone, put it in a cup, so upside down cone, and a spoon, and plenty of napkins so that she could hold it. So do you see where that piece is? She did those things just so selflessly for somebody. Now, I know she does it for other people. I'm no doubt about that. But if more people had that and were paying attention to that, that would be huge. That would be huge. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not talking about going out and, you know, starting a movement. I'm saying as women and as mothers and as friends, there's a way that we can also help, and especially in business, that, you know, small little things add up over time. And if there's something we can do just like that, mm-hmm. it helps us look at it from your lens mm-hmm. versus ours. So thank um, you for sharing that, because now maybe we can all look at your, your blog and we, can, and we can start understanding it from how you're seeing it in, in helping you make that difference. And I would certainly like to have that conversation with you offline if you'd like to do that because um, there's plenty of ways of going about that. And you're exactly right that the more women and mothers, and this really also is school-based. I think we could all agree about upon that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So when we're school-based and we're teaching that in the schools and, and parents, but the bottom line, people are afraid. They don't know what to do, so they don't do anything. 
if yeah. that makes it makes sense. It does, absolutely. But and I do believe that there's enough of us that are willing to do something. We just need some direction. So I give you great kudos for speaking out and being willing to share your story. So thank you for doing that. And Sherry, welcome. thanks. Sherry, thanks for calling in too. Really appreciate you joining the dialogue. It's wonderful to to have you on the show and have you listening. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and I'm going to keep listening. All right. Thanks, Sherry. So to keep us going here, a couple more things I want to be sure and get through before we, we have to end the show here, because there's so much you can cover, Patricia. I think it's important that listeners can really understand where you're coming from and what you're trying to do. Um, before I, I get you to, to read anything from, from your blog, let me also, let's move a little bit here to, to see um, what is it that you're trying to do with, with the business consulting? How do you envision that you'll be able to, to help consult with organizations to, to improve or yeah, I guess improve the, whatever they're doing for for their service for the dis- disabled community. What's your, what 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 are you thinking about there? Well, I think we need to know what those numbers are too. I think that that to know that, for example, let me just give you the Dallas Fort Worth area. Let me just tell you, if I were to break down region, Dallas is number ten and Fort Worth is number eleven. The student population numbers with special needs in the region 10 is 69,621. In Fort Worth, it's 480,644. Okay? So your total is 118,265. That's the total student population with special needs. I'm talking auditory, visual, intellectual, emotional impairments, deaf, blind, developmental delays, autism, all of that. Huge. Did you know that in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you have 844,558 totally disabled people in, in any range? That's your number. No, I had no idea. No idea. Yeah. So those are the numbers there. Now, when we look at um, as a whole and the, um, the influences on their buying behavior, on the people with disabilities, their buying behavior, disabil- um, their buying behavior, their home life for people with disabilities, and entertainment and travel, it's in the billions that we spend. It's like $220 billion, and that was as of the year 2000. Uh, wow. Hello. I'm well, starting to get it now. So, yeah, hello. Yes, and so one thing about... Um, People with disabilities is that they they just want um, they're consistent with their branding, and um, I think where I would ultimately going is to to devise simple modifications for corporations to devise simple modifications for existing products and um, services to make it accessible to people with disabilities, and then more importantly is ensuring. This is a big leap here that uh, advertising and branding and promotion strategies reach people with disabilities. I know that everybody can say, let's go to the Internet. Yes, that's true. But is that really giving your child a real-life experience? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I would add to that, if I, I hope I didn't interrupt you, but I would add to that that parents with children with disabilities make a decision. It's either stay home and insulate their child or say the world is not going to come knocking on our door, so you take your child into the world. And that's where you learn. Okay, gotcha. We need to take a quick break here. But before we do, let me also remind the the listeners uh, about that blog, if you want to take a look at this while we're on break. Uh, Again, it's... um, it's, um, Sorry, so go ahead. You say what it is, Patricia, because I just lost it. Go ahead. Oh, it's um, poignant, and it's uh, quite interesting. That's all I could say. 
It's it's a, a pauseforamoment.com. So take a look at that. After the break, I'm going to ask Patricia to read a couple passages from that. So stay tuned and stay with us, and we'll talk to you after the break. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Divorce leaves behind some lasting scars. Besides the emotional impact of starting over, keeping your family in order, co-parenting, and the general confusion that comes with it, there are also financial impacts, slow and grueling legal processes, and lack of support and resources to turn to. Tune in to Divorce Sucks, a smart girl's guide to doing it better, with host Laura Maiola. We'll bring you the tools to sort it all out the right way. Every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. All right, thanks for staying with us and welcome back. Before the break, we were talking with Patricia Ruiz about some of her, her research in the numbers uh, looking at how many people that live, how many people in the disabled community live in the various metropolitan areas here in the state of Texas, it's pretty staggering what 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 you're reporting here, Patricia. Um, say more about some of this this research that you've done and what you've learned about it. Well, I've learned that there's a lot of numbers out there, and I even had gone to the length of uh, going to uh, speak to a general manager in the. Dallas Fort Worth area of a large department store, and we'll leave the name out of it to talk about the the um, what they're basically losing. And and um, <laughs> I don't know why I did it, but I just felt like this is important. Um, what it costs for the average person to spend spend there, you know, in their store, and if, how much is their special events, and how much. Um, data wear using those same numbers. So let's, for example, for school shopping, which is kind of a seasonal wear. But if you figure factor in that school shopping usually costs $500, that was a good number. So if we took the number for the Dallas-Fort Worth population average, would come out to $29.5 million. Mm, That is if you were able to grab that entire population, those numbers that I gave you. Wow. 
It's really impressive. And I knew that you, I know you well enough because you are a research-oriented person. You, I knew that you wouldn't come in to wanting to do something like this kind of a venture without having investigated the numbers and such. Um, uh, that's really compelling. And so it makes sense to me that if you think, wow, if I could help businesses really focus on, on their, their service approach to the disabled community, not only would they win, but certainly would improve the experience of those people who are so near and dear to your heart and those of, I'm sure, many of the listeners out there as well. Well, exactly. And, and you know, we're talking about a young lady, and my young, still a young a, a girl, but we're also, there has a huge geriatric community, you know, and we talk about the wounded warriors and we could just go on. And as technology continues to improve, more people that would have not been alive, let's say, 30 years ago, are being able to make it. Mm-hmm. My daughter being one of those statistics, she's not supposed to be here, but she is. Wow. Wow, that is such a sobering thought, Patricia, to imagine that you wouldn't actually have your daughter. That is amazing for me. I can't imagine that. I, we have a 12-year-old daughter, and I cannot imagine that thought, that absence of thought either. So, um well, to that end, would, would you mind reading maybe a passage or two from your from your blog? Um, sure, a passage, or or a blog. If the, if the whole blog post makes sense to read, go ahead. Okay, what time do we have here? We're we're okay in time. What I would lo- just love to be able to do is let the listeners get some kind of a feel for how you've written the blog. First, let me ask you know you you've got a very unique perspective on how you've done this. Um, the blog is written from the vantage point of the service dog, which is an incredibly fascinating and very creative um, and very alluring. So you're trying to impart a perspective here that is already unusual in and of itself. So um, with that, it just I think it would be great for them to be able to experience just one of the posts that you've written. Okay, so um, to that end, I would just love to let you know the purpose and why I did this was because it seems to become more palpable when it comes from a dog. It's very interesting how we are as human beings and how we respond to animals. And so um, the other purpose was this gives my daughter a voice, too, um, and she's not always able to articulate. So this is really an entree into her world from his objective perspective. (laughs) (laughs) So I will just, um, and I think if the callers are out there or hear this later, I think people can resonate with this. This is called Guardians of the Light, and um, this is really um, talking about the kind of the isolation. It's referring to the isolation in her world and how there's not a lot of people um, that become friends. There's lots of acquaintances, but um, this is about two friends who chose to look beyond the obstructed speech, constricted muscles, and slow word retrieval. And for our purposes, let's call them Brandy and Brian. They intuitively understood her and could interpret her eyes and facial expressions. You wonder how. Actually, it's quite simple. They were introspective and refused to be fearful of something they did not understand. B and B were patient with her when they could not understand her speech, and she equally patient when she had to repeat herself to be understood. B and B weren't embarrassed by some of my boss's unflattering moments, nor was she of theirs. Brian changed his class schedule to have lunch with the boss and some of his friends. He was a natural and came to slicing her pizza at lunch. And as for Brandy, she and her boss shared an instant obsession for books and computers and sci-fi romance adventure. B&B stepped out of the circles of comfort to be their very best selves, unaware they would become students of the human spirit. 
The years have passed, and presently Brandy is studying hard in a grueling master's Ph.D. chemistry program. She may be busy, but she checks in and even comes to visit for a few days. Brian waits word for where he will receive his undergraduate education. And, well, he's a guy, so boss, the boss skies, skypes in to see how he's doing. B&B will complete their studies and contribute to the communities, and Brandy and Brian will also carry their experiences into the world, and they will never forget their friend who taught them to be kinder, to have courage, to be mindful, to be gentle, to laugh more, to be grateful, and lastly, carry a bit of her with them. Because of her, they will never be the same. Brandy and Brian are now the guardians of the light, her light. That is beautiful, Patricia. And, you know, it does do what you say. It does make it so much more accessible for me as someone who doesn't have a lot of experience with the disability community uh, to better understand the world that they live in and, and how to connect with that and what the world looks like maybe from their eyes. In, in this case, you've done it from the from the dog's eyes. Um, how did you come up with this idea? How did you actually get the idea to write a blog from the perspective of the service dog? I felt it, I know it was more palatable. Um, I knew that when two adults are speaking and said, oh, if I said, by the way, would you like to read this blog? They kind of get this glazed look on their face like, yeah, sure, right. But if I said, hey, this is a really interesting blog. It's written from a dog's perspective. People, you know, run to go read that. It's very fascinating. But I felt that um, it was a good catharsis for me that I could also have objectivity to write what I've known and done for 21 years. Wow. Um, it's really, really impressive. Um, have you had, what kind of feedback are you getting on it? What kind of things are people saying about the block? Um, well, everybody's been extremely constructive and have given me, you know, very constructive criticism on which I want um, so I can be better at it. But um, I've had some feedback where people have said, you know, I want more. You, uh, somebody else said, you're lulling me into this. What are you doing? And then <laughs> the other, another great um, piece was, this is the makings of a book, and I hope that you'll stay with us. So I kind of crank out two posts per month. You know, I can totally, totally see how it would be the makings of a book. Uh, I have a dear friend who does blog every single day, if you can possibly imagine that. And her plan is to ultimately piece this stuff together and make a book out of it. And I think she's well on her way. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Are are you, is there kind of like a disciplined schedule here or is it just kind of when you get to it or? No, actually, it's uh, kind of an editorial calendar. I I go with things, and I know them, and I use them. It's the stuff that's really happened, so it's very real. As I said, my very first uh, posting was that this is the real deal. I don't. There's nothing embellished here whatsoever. I try to, and I work very hard at keeping that blog to um, less than 150 words, 1,500 words, because I want to keep people's focus. Mm-hmm. So I will be moving into, in and out of um, education and into and consumerism. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is an interesting topic. I mean, as a, a small business owner myself, I certainly understand how daunting it can be to consider, how do I get my first customer? How do I get my first client? Um, you know, have you thought at all about how will you go out there and approach the business community with your perspective, your services? You know, it is daunting, and the first thing that comes to me, because I do have narratives with specific franchises, 
full-blown stories um, from department stores to um, two franchises uh, that have been very good and can tell you everything about what happened in that particular exchange. So it always makes sense to go to them and hopefully to find out if there are a particular franchise that there might be, he might eight he or she might own eight or nine. If that individual gives me the opportunity to say, let's, let's just do this, let's look at this together, and let's look at all of your eight franchises that you own and see what we can do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. And, and now let's just let's be optimistic and, and think about how this will actually go in the future here. So at some future point in time, you're going to be off and running doing this business. Will you call it PAR Consulting or PAR Consulting? How do you pronounce that? It's par consulting, and that's probably where it's going to stay for now. Um, uh, I think that's the way I can start off, but I, I see it morphing into something else, but um, I don't know what that is, and I think that's the, that's the booty in all of this because um, uh, a curiosity abounds and mm-hmm. moments will present themselves, and I feel like I've been exquisitely patient for 22 years, and now it is all coming into a nice place where I can, if you will, jump from it. You know what? I, I love what you just said there, and I'm going to have to quote this, exquisitely patient. Boy, I would say 22 years of patience. That's um, way more than I could say for anything that I've done for myself, so I applaud that. Now, when you do have your this business consulting up and running, what about your work as a psychotherapist? Will that continue, or what will happen there? Oh, that'll continue because, okay. you know, I have to. I mean, that's, that's what informs my work. So Got I always it. stay on top of things. You know, I know, understand the brain and how it works because Got of it. all my neuroscience. You've got to stay on top of this. Uh-huh. And, you know, a person who studies marketing, they might get a couple of chapters of psychology. But what is marketing? It's psychology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's true. And, you know, I can appreciate that perspective because I do various things to keep myself informed. I, I still teach. I'm a professor teaching various psychology courses. I'm a meeting and work researcher. I'm a facilitator. I speak. I understand. And all those things do inform the other. That makes complete sense to me that you would continue doing that and that you would still serve families and get new stories. And who knows where those conversations are going to go? Mm-hmm. And who that you're actually serving as clients might also be able to help facilitate c- conversations with prospective clients of yours, right? I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe some of them actually, well, maybe not. I was just going to say maybe some of them actually own a franchise, but probably not. They wouldn't need your services, I'm guessing. <laughs> they, they already know. <laughs> well, you hope so, Yeah. Well, um, I've really appreciated hearing about this, Patricia, and I did hear from a few people that I had evangelized the show to saying, oh, I'm going to tune in for this. I have somebody in my family who who is disabled, and they tell the story, and it, it's so heartfelt and close for them. And, and, and so people I know that are gravitating to this, I put it on LinkedIn this morning as well and heard from a few folks saying, yep, I'm tuning in for this because I can so relate to this. I understand where she's going, understand the importance. So hopefully you've got a bit of a crowd here forming around you as, as Sherry called in and seems to indicate you've got people that want to maybe cheer for you. So I want to thank you for joining us and sharing your story. Uh, you really are a great example of, of somebody who has an interesting and potentially quite transformative point in your career happening for you at this moment. And we're right here at the at the precipice of those 22 years of patience. Um, I also think it's quite clear that you have had a very, you know, enjoyable, purposeful, meaningful connection to your work as a psychotherapist, which is important for me to be able to share with listeners. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, the service you provide your clients and the perspective you have on that is is so 
real and authentic and genuine. And I just appreciate that it is so service oriented. So, you know, when we think about throughout our lives, we, we want to change course sometimes, try new things. And that's really what you're trying to do here. We find ourselves at a crossroads and have to determine which path we're going to take forward, which is exactly, by the way, what we'll be talking about next week with Sherry Elliott-Urie, who was good, good enough to tune in for this one. So when we're stuck at a crossroads and at work or in our personal lives, how do we recognize we're there? And then which road do we take to get beyond that? So thanks for tuning in this week and listening and for calling in. Come back and join us for the dialogue next week. Have a great week. We'll talk to you then. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. We'll be right back. 